This is the Randomer Nintendo Podcast for April 24th on this beautiful Monday evening. I am Kevin. To my virtual left, as always, Jason. Hello. By the time anyone hears this, it'll be the 25th, but we're enjoying the 24th <sighs> very much. I'm not going to restart. Can't. Anyways, did anyone have anything nice on? Yeah. No, I just don't want people just... to be confused like, wait, why wasn't I on my feed? So We respect their intelligence. Uh, that's what Kevin was doing. They can probably uh-huh. understand what I meant by that. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. so my virtual right angel. <laughs> What's up? Last time I host the podcast. How are you guys been doing? Pretty good, but I, I, I kind of go this way. Jason, so are you saying it's safer to believe that there are some listeners out there that think that as they're listening to it, that that is happening right now, this very moment? No, but he said the episode Ooh. was for the 24th, meaning it would be ready on the 24th, but being recorded on the 24th. Wait, so it's not going to be for ready the by 25th. tonight? Uh, it's going to go up after midnight, probably, so it'll be the 25th by the time it hits. Why well, that's news to us. Because that's usually yeah, I gonna when I get it up. <laughs> yeah, oh, so I can take my sweet time on that. Copy that. Uh, if you if you want, yeah. I mean, usually I post it like right in the early morning, so it's on people's feet. Copy that. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah. But I guess to answer your other question, overall, pretty good. You play two Yondus. Yondus. Oh, oh, Yondu. Man. Guards of Galaxy Yondu? Oh, Marble Snap? Pull two oh, Marble Snap. It's already pulled two Yondus. Man, it's been so long. I mean, it hasn't even been that long since I stopped playing it, but it feels yeah, like it's been, it's been like eternity. a month, Angel. <laughs> Has it been a month? It feels like when you're playing this game, let me tell you. Really? Is, has the meta changed that much in the cutesy season or whatever it's called? The animals assemble. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they finally nerfed Shuri. Yeah, I was say last time I left it, it was like Shuri, Red Skull, and Thanos. That was like everywhere. Now it is uh, Wave, Death, or into Galactus. And Null. Mm. So it yeah, seems so. like we got back what it was like two metas ago or three metas ago. Oh, uh, I guess back, so. Back to Death Wave and but well, Galactus. The, but always, well, Galactus actually, has a bunch of counters now, so mm. so yeah, we're good there. All right, well, that's yeah. good to hear. Not too bad. Yeah, I still like to look at the the Dan Hips since I follow him on the Twitters. Yeah, the Dan Hips are fantastic. Yep, yep. But yeah, I mean, I'm guessing you haven't been playing Marvel. I said, what what name did you just say? Dan, Dan Hip. Hip. I was hearing Dem Hips, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, but okay, Dan Hips, got it. Yeah, Dan Hips. Wait, congestion will be gone before you know it. <laughs> well, the only other thing I was going to mention, and I guess this is a weird kind of plug. I'm usually not used to plugging anything. No, I'm, I'm, this is not a plug. Um, I'll just say that I know I had mentioned, right, in the podcast that I wanted to start a cockatiel venture of sorts, right? That's yeah, I think you talked like about it on Like a flash game? Or what was it? Um... Just like a just a platform for me to like constantly be just committing more to my art, posting it more often, improving it, and eventually making like goods from it, be it prints, figurines, maybe games, you know, just literally anything. I'm just allowing myself sweet, to sweet cockatiel money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gotcha, allowing myself gotcha. to just go a lot with it and I know it'll be a slow burn, but I thankfully I have a lot of awesome friends that I can ask questions to that just happen to work or be experienced in the things that I need to know a lot about of, you know? Right. Yeah. Just all over the place. Like we have like a good buddy, Matthew, who already kind of does something like similar to what I want to do 
except I don't want to do it all cockatiel themed. But yeah, I started my Instagram, I think last Wednesday. And I started posting there every day. So that's kind of like my new focus as well as like a company Twitter and a TikTok. But, you know, it's all still fresh. I'm, I'm still learning. Company Twitter. Are you running? So what? Is Twitter? Oh, no, no, no. What do you my, mean by company Twitter? No, a personal one for my cockatiel stuff. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah, like I started it and it's like officially, like I officially, I guess, made it public, I guess we'll call do do the oh. full plug. Say where people can find it. I don't know, man. I need to practice in this plug. I'm sure I'll get it better over time. But yeah, I guess if you're curious on, uh, if you want to join me on my arts adventure, I think I'm basically saying I don't even remember what I said. Journey, eh, whatever. Um, yeah, if you want to just see my art, my this, I guess where it goes, what I come up with, random stuff. Then yeah, follow me on. I guess I would say Instagram. I guess or Twitter. They're both gonna have similar content but i would say instagram is the main one but it's at world of Wayrose, so it's almost like my regular handle just there's no underscore o yeah no underscore o yeah no (laughs) underscore or and just world of or wow for short but that no it's not world of warcraft but yet one day it'll be as big as world of warcraft you wait and see everyone's gonna be a custom avatar of a cockatiel in a custom garb and then they're going to go on raiding missions where they go to other birdhouses and steal the uh, worms to feed their children. Man, there you care. go. Brilliant I'm, game pitch right there. I don't care how much of a technicality it will be, but if I can find one person that will know WoW as the world of Wayrose before Warcraft, then that'd be awesome. It'll probably have to be someone very young that didn't really grow up with World of Warcraft, but I'll take it. But <laughs> that's probably going to be my niece. Well, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's me. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you know exactly who's gonna be in it. It's gonna be your niece. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep, yep. But yeah, that's oh. that, that's what I've been nice. up to. Just going down that journey, and we'll see where it takes me. What about you, Jason? I don't have anything that impressive. Um, what has been going really? on in my life? You have a lot of impressive stuff going on. New this ventures year. involving my own craft of my own making no not really i've been enjoying the craft of others makings i've been fortunate enough the last couple weeks to go some cool stuff like i got to hang out with some of the guys from lincoln park a couple weeks ago for their 20th anniversary of meteora yesterday yeah yesterday i went to um an exhibit i don't know if you guys remember there's a unique little pokemon shirt collection with a guy named daniel oh man what's his last name i can't believe i'm drawing a blank i was literally at his exhibit yesterday um he had a collab oh, that's with embarrassing Uniqlo. He did, exactly. Yeah, I know Correct. what you're talking about. Yes. Um, it's like Chris, I can't believe Arsham. Arsham. Daniel Arsham. But oh, he God. does this stuff where he – and if you live in the greater California, SoCal area, it's down in Orange County at ACMA, the Orange County Museum of Art. But he does um, basically all this art where he makes sculptures that look like decaying, like archaeological dug-up stuff of our current pop culture. So there's like a DeLorean that's all like – like decaying and has like crystals and rocks coming out of it. There's like a spacesuit, and then there's a bunch of Pokemon statues. So that was kind of a fun little adventure yesterday. Um, but in terms of things I'm crafting or creating, I don't have a whole lot to share to match you, Angel. But it's been fun to um, it's been fun to consume the works of others, including your your stuff. It's been fun to follow your oh, much art journey, as you put it. So, I mean, yeah, but, what about you, but, Kevin? But, but, but you've been okay overall, mm. like in in good spirits, though, because I know yeah. some people have suffered from. Like post Mario movie depression, where it's like you know, you know I, you've been I, looking up for a long time, then you finally watch it. I was like, well, 
I legitimately made that comment to people where I was like, you know how like after the holiday season, it's like, oh, it's just January now. There's nothing going on. I felt like I was going to have that after the Mario movie. But then fortunately, we saw the Mario movie a second time. Uh, I went with you that time. Um, oh, have we uh, talked about the 4DX chairs on the show? We have not talked about 4DX. Should we talk about 4DX? Because that yeah, felt like a very good of... period at the end of the sentence for the Mario movie. For I me, forgot that I was a thoughts. way to see a movie. Yeah. So, um, to set the stage here, there's only two theaters in LA that do 4DX, I believe. Um, one of them happened to be where the premiere of the movie was. So we went back there. But to set the stage here, we go to the movie, we sit down, we get prime seats, front and center, or not really front, but like center, perfect spot. You can see all the effects. Your seat should rock. Water will spritz you. Air will shoot at you. Smoke will come out of the screen. Flashing lights will be above you. It will be perfect. And then the seats didn't work for us four and only us four and maybe the four people in front of us, but like eight seats out of like a hundred just didn't work. So we ended up going down. Uh, well, you know, Angel, Kevin is, since you know, we ended up Angel and I split from the rest of the group and we went to the front row because we wanted our rocking seats and we row. very front row. Oh Mario's God. nose has never been bigger um, or more warped looking. But, uh, yeah, we did the whole movie from the front row and got hit with water and air and the seat rocked and violently. And yeah, actually a lot of water. And they have a really cool rain effect where the scene, um, for those who have seen the movie where Don Khan and Mario are kind of in like the body of water with when the eel happens. Um, it really felt like it was drizzling on us. Like it was, it was impressive. What's just like spritz is like a, a steady, like kind of like pitter patter. It was, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool, but then, it started going just long enough for me to go like, oh, huh. It's still you had to wipe going. your glasses twice from being hit by stuff. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And as I always tell everybody, like, I definitely never recommend 4DX on your first viewing of any movie. Definitely have, no, have to be so your second one. But even then, like, and and I've also always, like, prefaced this, like, it's always more intense than what you think it will be, but not as intense as something that you would find in Universal Studios, like, I don't know, the Simpsons ride or some other ride, <laughs> like the Simpsons you're, ride. You're not going to get whiplash, but you definitely get punched in the back by the seat. Yeah, but this one, yeah. I say, like, there were a few things where I could see, like, someone potentially getting whiplash. I don't know if they upped them since last true, time, because, yeah. yeah, some clear pipe scenes in the beginning, or even just going through, like, the initial pipe to go to the Mario World. Jesus, like, you get rocked. Like, you were just getting, like, thrown back and forth like ragdolls. And I remember... It was just funny because Jason was like, he had a water bottle. And he was like, oh, is it safe to drink water? And he's like, can you go to drink water? And then it just starts shaking a lot. Like, okay, maybe not yet. It was but, never safe. There was a point where, because obviously we'd seen the movie. So we were coming up to the part where um, they enter Kong Skull Island. And, um, you know, they, they, they get in the go-kart to go meet Cranky Kong or whatever. And oh I, like, God. looked at Angel, and I, like, grabbed the edges of the chair, and I'm like, I'm bracing. Here we go. And sure enough, it went wild. Yeah, like, to your point, seeing a first, seeing a movie there for the first time, that's not the way to do it. But the Mar- – and I've never done 4DX before. This is my very first 4DX. But, but doing it for Mario really made it kind of like – it's already kind of a fun ride of a movie, and this really made it feel like a ride. Like, it was – it was cool. I could not stop laughing. Every time the seat jerked, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, it's so – the amount of, like, force it uses for everything, the amount of pressure the air hits you with, the amount of, like, yeah, everything. The this is so much – your head and stuff like it's – Yeah, it's just it, so 
unnecessarily kind of a, right? strong, which makes it really funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's yeah, it really it's is. an experience for sure. Like if you've never done 40x and you, you know, and there's a movie you've already seen that's on it or one you don't care about, it's definitely worth checking yeah. it out at least once. It's thirty bucks, but. As I mentioned, like because our seats didn't work, we ended up getting a refund and tickets for the next eighteen months that we could just use. We once. got uh two hundred forty dollars worth of forty X tickets. Yeah, out of that, yeah, because we got our full refund. They're thirty bucks a pop because it's you know premium premium format, and then we got another four for free. So, so you know, there's worse ways to go than watching the Mario movie in the front row, getting tossed around like a ragdoll, and then walking away with a profit. So. Actually, not thinking about it. I just realized I saw first time and only time I saw Wonder Woman was in 4DX as well as Shazam. But those were not as hectic as Mario and Sonic. Maybe it's an animated movie thing, but I don't know. I guess those are also practically animated, but I don't know. This one was just, Apparently, doesn't really set at select 4DXs, not ours, but some 4DXs when Bowser plays Peaches, bubbles rain down from the ceiling. Wow. Yeah, so we really oh. got – we had broken seats and no bubbles. I want more than $240. No, it, it was a fun time. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely looking forward to Spider-Verse or Turtles or whatever we end up using. Right, whatever we time. do next. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But you're not going to watch it like that the first time, are you? I don't think so. No, especially because these are free. So I would definitely want to get like a nice projector okay. or something first. You may, want, you, may want, you may want to talk to your brother about that then. For Turtles? He thinks – Oh, I thought for Spider-Man. Oh, we're talking about going oh, to for Spider-Man, Spider-Verse. I don't know if we're doing it for the first showing. We're just oh, going Spider- to go when it's there. Yeah. Oh, for Spider-Verse, that might be my first and only. I don't know yet. 40X? Yeah. Uh, Kevin's judging you so I hard hate, right I now. Hate, <laughs> I hated 40X. I saw Avengers <laughs> Endgame like that. No, no terrible. It's Especially almost, as my first time, I would hate it. I mean, uh, it, it just sounds weird to say, but it's like I just don't care much to watch Spider-Verse, I guess. Which is crazy because you're such a fan of the first one. Yeah, I just... He's just like, oh yeah, I watch it in theaters, cool. I, I don't really mind how I watch it in theaters. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's blasphemy. I don't know. I don't know why my brain is like this, but it just... Why all, of a, sudden, have... why all of a sudden it's just not there for you? I mean, what that's always been the case since the sequel was announced. It was just just reload the first one and I guess like my brain just kind of stopped there. It's like, I mean, for all I know, I might love the heck out of the second one, maybe even more than the first one. Because I mean, I had low expectations for the first movie, but I think it's just more like I maybe I did such a good job of compartmentalizing the hype for the second movie, maybe so well that I locked it away somewhere and just threw away the key. That now it's just like no hype. It's like but a suppressed I, memory that hasn't know. happened yet. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't know. It's it, it's never never felt this way about like something I feel is so like such a gimme for like to be excited about, but yeah, I that's know. upsetting. Yeah, it's like nothing about I, it just I, feels like it just feels. You know what? Everything I've seen so far from the trailer from the story, all of it feels like fluff to me. I will say, and it's Kevin. I know you're doing me a podcast, so it's not a spoiler. I will say, the fact that they don't have. And he, they're using the same music in the trailer. And half the trailer is footage of the first movie. Like, what are they doing? Like, it just feels weird. Yeah, and also, like, it's maybe really it was because weird. they watched the first trailer. But, like, the one of the trailers that feels that's, like they just gave away the whole movie. But 
I I can't talk to the trailer that gave away the entire movie. And maybe that's why you feel like that because that trailer just gave away everything. But as far as the trailer using scenes from the movie and using the same music, that's perfect. Why would I want to see scenes from the new movie? Well, the point of a trailer in theory is to show you a peek at what's coming down the pipe. Now, Hollywood tends to overdo sure, that. Sure, a peek. Yeah. Right, but not try, but the first trailer like the first trailer is like 80% the first movie. They even did the same What's up, danger? Like music drop with him falling upside down at the same pace at totally the same time fine. as in the first trailer, totally which is cool because it's a cool sh- uh, shot. But it's just like I don't know. It's not really a trailer; it's a recap. It's like a previously on summary, which is fine. But that's not what the trailer is. I guess I don't know. Apparently, Metro Boomin's doing the soundtrack for it, and he had a pretty awesome Coachella set both weekends. So um, I'm in, but still, I'm kind of confused. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm still gonna watch it. We'll 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 see what happens, but yeah, yeah. But to to answer your oh. question, Angel, I thought I would um, be in a post Mario movie depression, but I mean, Nintendo's keeping us pretty well fed. Like we have Tears of the Kingdom in a couple weeks, Advance Wars this weekend. Like you know, they this past weekend, like they're they're there's enough of a pace and enough stuff happening both in and outside of the world in town that I'm surprisingly not in a slump that I expected to be in because my obviously my hype was so high and there was nowhere to go after that point. But I'm okay. I'm okay. Damn. Well, that's good to hear then. We don't have to yeah. be worried about you. But... It's weird how little I stopped paying attention to it. Like I'm still following the box office, but I thought I'd want to see it a third time. Like, nah, 4DX was good. You didn't watch the full movie vocoded to Gangster's Paradise? So it's I watched practically a couple snippets. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's so a... right. Be- we should explain. Right before we went to record, Angel sent the, the two, of, the three of us, all of us. Um, it's on YouTube, but it might not be by the time you guys hear this. Um, the entire movie inverted in color so it could be like copyright, whatever. But um, it's all vocoded to Gangster's Paradise. So everything they say fits the melody of Gangster Paradise. And it's surprisingly kind of enjoyable. It looks kind of cool. Something like I, I was just skipping around to, you know, like the final scene, the middle scene, like the fights. And it's always hilarious when Gangster Paradise or at least like when the chorus kicks in. But right. you know, when you hear like a lot of dialogue and it's like also set to the tempo, it's just hilarious. It's, yeah. I almost wouldn't actually, mind watching I... it again this way, but I mean, I've already seen it three times, so. And, and to be fair, it's actually not in very color. They did some sort of like neon glow effect. It looks a little cool. Yeah, it's like anything very, that yeah. I guess like any shading that would have been light. I guess it's just in rainbow, which looks really cool. And sometimes looks really appropriate. I mean, you get a lot of cool wallpaper style set pieces, I guess, in that movie. Right, right. But yeah, very random. Kevin, what about you? What's going on with you? We've talked about yeah. us. How have you been? What's new with you? I've been doing five, and let's go to our first uh, <laughs> thing of the talk. Here. Why don't you kick off with one of your topics then, so you can have a chance to talk? Uh, what's up? Just uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I over the weekend I saw two anime movies that I've been meaning to watch for a while now. Uh, mm-hmm. the first one that I that's taking me forever to watch is a movie called Your Name. You finally uh, watched Angel- Your Name. I finally, I finally saw your name. Yep. Oh, wow. I know that movie because Angel loves that movie. Yeah, well, make that two of us. I absolutely adore this movie. Yeah, uh, awesome. Angel, did you ever talk about this movie, like in podcast form? Maybe if, if it came out before Randomer, or 
Actually, it might no. have been in the Quarantine Chronicles. It might Chronicle have been in Quarantine Chronicles. It must have, because I, I think the movie came out in 2016. Yeah, because I, because I saw it in 2016. Like, I bought it as soon oh, as it was released. Oh, then you did not talk about it on the podcast, most likely, because we didn't do Quarantine until COVID, which was 2020. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. whether, okay. whether, maybe whether Kevin with you? was on the show in 2016, actually. Really? No, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I think he came on fully in like 18. Well, he guest spotted a couple times. I don't maybe, know why we're talking about you, Kevin, like you're not here. But <laughs> Maybe I thought, maybe I talked about Weathering with you on the podcast because that's the movie that came after. And now Suzume, which is the third movie after that. Yeah. It's in theaters so, right now. Uh, and I still need to watch that. I've seen a lot of buzz about Suzume. Yeah. Actually, so, even in my non anime world. Uh, Yeah, your name. It's directed by this one guy named Kodoshinkai. Tells the story of two high schoolers who, like, every now and then, uh, switch bodies with each other. Uh, Taki is, uh, a high school kid living in Tokyo, and Mitsuha, she is living in the Japanese countryside. And so, they eventually figure out that they're switching bodies, like, independently, but they start leaving notes to each other in their phones so they can know what they did while they're switching the other person's body. Uh, and they help each other in various ways, right? So, like, Mitsuha helps Taki get a date with one of his coworkers. And then, like, Taki, he helps Mitsuha's image and her, like, little countryside town uh, by being more outgoing and supportive when he's in her body, right? So it's it's a it's a different take on, like, the, the Freaky Friday concept, uh, which is really, really, like, fresh. Like, I, oh, as yeah. far as That's I know, the craziest I don't think... Part. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. Like, they do, they do, like, hijinks and stuff like that in each other's bodies, which is, like, really funny. And then, like, out of nowhere... There's a twist that flips this movie entirely on its head, which, like, I, I, obviously I'm not going to spoil it here, um, but, like, Angel, did you see this coming? No, not even close. It just, yeah, I was just kind of like, what the heck? And then, yeah, it, I don't know, yeah, it, it was great. It was, it was nice, kind of like you, like, kind of like you said, like, just going through, yeah, it, it was nice seeing something, a very fresh idea, not like so much a... I think the combination of that made it feel so so unique that it just kind of blew my mind a little, but yeah. but yeah, it was it was great and also just very heartwarming. Like I think it was definitely, I don't know if it was like one of those like oh my god I'm so sad and crying, but I think it was like I think I definitely shed a tear for sure because like yeah, I mean like, it's also just a beautiful looking movie. Like this guy, yeah, the animation is basic. Jesus, it's like it's like poor animators they forget they have a budget or something sometimes. Like I remember popping this popping this up. Because I was sort of in bed, I didn't really know what like what to watch. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen your name, and it was on Crunchyroll, so I popped that up, and I was on my phone. It's on Crunchyroll, you know, yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. Oh wow! I what? was like casually watching it, right, uh-huh. with my phone on, and then they switched to the scene in Tokyo, and then you see this fully like detailed super Tokyo, and I was like, okay, I have to restart this entire movie <laughs> and like pay nothing but attention to <laughs> oh, it because yeah. it was just that beautiful. When they do rain in that movie, or when they show cooking or any kind of food, it's always like Jesus. Like, oh most, yeah, most anime like, movies are known for detailed food, but the Shinkai movies, damn. Yeah, they, this movie looks really, really good. Um, and then the music is awesome too. It's it's like backed by this rock band called the Radwimps. Uh, they're a Japanese band, and I love when I like garage rock Japanese band backs an anime project because they usually turn up pretty good. Like, have you ever seen Fully Cooly, Angel? I have. Oh, they're that's them. Or I mean, they, it's, it's that's also a it's, garage band. The, yeah, but that's yeah, also that's like a garage rock uh, oh, Japanese God. band that just like you know like elevates the 
the the animation, the the anime, the the series or movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have the same vibe, the same musical style. Yeah, I did get emotional at some points. Like this is a very uh, emotional movie, especially once that twist happens and you go through the rest of the movie. Um, give me one second. Yeah, he's getting emotional talking about it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's just my nose as, as usual. Uh, um, oh, fair. Yeah, it's that twist, man. It not that it comes out of nowhere necessarily. Uh. But it's just something that you're not really expecting to happen, so I guess it just comes out of nowhere. Like, I was expecting this fun, like, rom-com, and then it just becomes a mystery at, at some point. It's It almost flipped this movie on its head the same way that the Twisted Parasite flips that movie on its head. Oh, it's that big of a twist? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you feel wow. about that, Angel. Okay. Yeah. No, I would say so. I would almost say it's a bigger twist it, like, changes than the, the one movie. for Parasite. Yeah. But, I mean, the one Parasite was great. But I think... Yeah. At some point, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Or, like, I could see that. But this one was like, oh, okay, I wouldn't have been able to guess that. I think I still had to, like, process what was going on for a little bit. Yeah. And, then, and obviously, there's a certain amount of, like, you just kind of have to, like, okay, well, this is this is just the thing. And you just see right. how they work with it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't seen it, Jason. Actually, no, I am not surprised. But you should watch it if you haven't. I'm sure you I'm surprised in all the years. Your name? I'm surprised oh, yeah. in all Angel? the years that oh, I hung oh, out at your place years. every weekend. We never put it on. That's true. That that is more of a movie that you should watch with Rachel. Yeah, maybe my relationship with with Angel just used to be that close until I found Rachel. Yeah, no, I I I've heard good things about it from well now both of you, but yeah. I'll, I'll, Did you I'll watch? Have now it's gonna get an American remake apparently. What? Is like it a Netflix American, live action remake? No, it's an American live there action. There is a remake. there is a live action. Yeah version right there is there's probably like uh there's probably like some tv state or like some stage adaptation probably uh, but i don't I, think that there's a live action for it. yeah because i was learning like randomly like you know space brothers is another anime i really love that i saw but didn't finish here but it did finish in japan i mean the anime didn't have an ending but the manga did but then I saw that it had like a live action movie that just, I guess, exists. And then the same thing with like Your Lion April that also has a live action adaptation. So many live action adaptations that I didn't know about. But yeah. I don't know if I want to. Uh, like watch a lot that. of. I feel like American live action remakes get a bad rap, but like the Japanese ones suck too. I don't know. <laughs> like the Attack on Titan live action movies are terrible, the Fullman Alchemist ones are terrible. Yeah, but as soon as that they're made by Netflix, it's like this is the worst piece of crap that I've ever seen. I'm not gonna get on this horse anymore. But um, yeah, you're. Did deep. you watch the Full Metal uh, Alchemist one? It was also I saw the first one. Was Garbage. Also, oh. I've heard that the second and third one are are just terrible, just as terrible. Well, I'm sure One Piece will do better. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe that one because it actually has the creator behind it. It's oh. not just the blessing. Well, he's like actually involved with that the production. Seems to be actually well for these last couple projects for you know Last of Us and Mario. But yeah, so yeah. we'll see with that. Um, I don't know if Uncharted director someone was attached to that one. If it was just a blessing, uh, I think that was just Sony owns it, and Sony will do whatever they want to with that <laughs> property. 
And also, like, in the defense of un- of that, like, Uncharted is just Indiana Jones, but not. So, like, turning a game that's sort of inspired by a movie back into a movie that's kind of just a caper, like, it's not that hard. So for you know a movie I mean? called like, Uncharted, not, it doesn't require... you think it played it too safe? For a movie called Uncharted, they had a pretty clear map of what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm stealing it. But, yeah, your name. You should watch it, Jason. Yeah, your name. Okay. You should watch it. Um, on the other side, I also saw Weathering with you immediately after I saw your name. Oh. Uh, which was, yeah. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of should you guys follow up to your name? Uh, this one I didn't like as much. I feel that was the sentiment with a lot of people with this movie. I agree. Uh, the story yeah. didn't get me the same high that your name did. I still enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it's not as tight. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, but, the, there was just some cool animation effects i mean obviously all the water rain stuff looked amazing but yeah yeah it was kind of hard not to see that movie and just be like i'm expecting you know the highs the emotional highs of your name but i didn't quite get those but it was still a good movie yeah so like jason it weathered with you it's Mm -hmm. instead of body switching it's tokyo has is seeing like some of the worst rain that it it ever has like they Mm -hmm. just constantly get rain storms and this one kid teams up with this one girl who somehow has the power to pray the rainstorms away. Uh, and they basically monetize her power. And they're both without like parental guidance so that they have to make somebody to live in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But eventually that movie, just like your name, it has a twist. And the twist isn't nearly as powerful, I think. Uh, feel I mean, like it's not even a twist. It's more, it's more of like something just happens. Well, there's a few things where they're like trying. They know they can't match the first one, but they're like, we have to do something because that's not what people expect. So they kind of did like a thing that just wasn't as powerful, just so they could say it's part. We did the thing again. We did the twist. You guys wanted a twist. That's our mo. Like they have yeah, that I kind of feel like I kind of feel like you could just not have that twist happen, and the rest of the movie still sort of plays out the same. Sure. Okay. Um, but like the animation in this movie is just as beautiful as it is in your name. And the music is done by Red Lips again, so it's awesome. Um, but I knew I wasn't gonna like whether uh, more than your name, like ten minutes into the movie, because your name had an anime opening. I don't know if you remember that. Oh Angel. yeah, it did. I had that. And, it, and huh. if yeah, and it, like it shows you like some scenes. It doesn't show you scenes of the movie. Yeah, it's like a montage. But it show. does. Sh- yeah, it's sort of a montage of the movie without, but like with no context, and it kind of spoils it. To like a certain degree, but it was still an anime opening, and Weathering with You doesn't have one. <laughs> so, even if it was just on the same level as your name, your name would have had the advantage because it has that awesome anime opening right at the beginning. Um, yeah, and now this guy, Makoto Shinkai, has a new movie called Suzume, which apparently is about a girl who's in love with a sentient chair. Uh, but the trailers for that movie make Suzume look even more beautiful than these last two movies because it looks a little bit more like fantastical oh yeah definitely way more fantastical than these two so far i mean i've only seen one trailer where i guess it's like yeah the chair and there's some cat and then there's like a door that i guess it's like a portal but yeah i really want to watch it but it's like a limited run like is it even going to be up by this coming weekend yeah probably not um but i will buy it yeah i i can't wait for the hope release so yeah, those were you basically the... pre-gaming oh, actually, Suzume with the other two? Actually, let's, like, do, would... let's do that then. When it comes out on Blu-ray, we'll, we'll watch it together. And Jason, a, oh, yeah, sure. a randomer Nintendo viewing. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. Jason's first anime movie ever. Yeah. That's not Pokemon. Okay, no, it's not. Pokemon the first movie exists, okay? He also saw Pokemon the first, first remake, anime movie. Re, the first movie remastered, or whatever it's called. This is true. This is true. We went to the world Mewtwo premiere of it, again, in fact. But in CG. Yeah, and we went to the premiere. If you go look on, I, I can dig it up. There's a picture of all of us, in, um, I mean, like thousands of us, with Pikachu at that premiere that's on the Pokemon Japan Twitter account. So we, we are legitimately there at the premiere. Yeah. Jason is certified yeah. anime. anime. You two Good luck finding back. any of us in the photo. It's like a thousand people, but we're there. Mewtwo Strikes Back always confuses me because there's that movie called Mewtwo first? Returns. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You know the worst part? Which? Well, yeah. I, not even, I, I mean, it's not a lot worse than it. But I think <laughs> this movie would have bothered me a lot less because in Japan, the original Mewtwo Strikes Back had a prologue that made a lot of the other movie, I wouldn't say make more sense, but it just gives like Mewtwo the character development that he needed. To be like, oh, okay, like the anger is rooted more than just I'm a science experiment. Or even just like, you know, why some of those other Pokemon are more special than the others. Like this whole clone thing. And in the US, like we never got that. I don't even know if we got that as like a bonus on DVD or something. Like it was just missing. So you think like when they remake it, you know, it'd be like the definitive edition. Like let's include the the prologue in it to flesh out the movie because, you know, they got the time. But somehow they still omitted it and this time in both regions so yeah, if, I don't know. if we're clearly if we're quality wasn't don't make sense the, the priority but if we're talking things that don't make sense about the pokemon movies i have one that has been bothering me since the year 2002 or whenever it came out Whoa. why is it called pokemon 3 the movie and not pokemon the movie 3 there's no Pokemon 3 the game. There's no Pokemon 3 the toy. There's no Pokemon 3 the card. It's the third Pokemon movie. So why is the 3 before the word movie if all the movies have the word movie in their name? It makes no sense. Thank you for your time. Now that no fuck it. Now that we're getting into this, <laughs> it's better than what Doug's first. Remember Doug's first movie? He never even had a second. They were very confident that? with that. Wait, what, hold on. What's, what, what, there are a lot of questions at once, one at a time. What? Oh, remember, do you remember Doug's first movie? Because that's what it was literally called. Right. Almost as if they were ready for the second, but it just never happened. Yeah, I mean, that's not quite as bad because at least they're counting. They're they're consistent in their counting. If they called the third movie, they were hopeful. Doug's oh movie, yeah, 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 yeah. If yours doesn't make sense grammatically. The movie three. Then that would be weird, but Doug's first movie is okay. Yeah, I'm what just kind of ripping on the fact, just ripping on the fact that they're not using, you know, just normal numbering or just. Doug yeah, the yeah. Movie. No, it's. I just find it weird when people do like, the first movie. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, Kevin, it's not like you had a, a, thing to tear into there. The One Piece movies, their gaming conventions, make absolutely no sense. So. They, they start off being like subtitled, kidding. right? Okay, right? So then eventually they go One Piece film and then whatever the subtitle for the movie is. Then they went to uh, just subtitle. Then they go back to One Piece film and then they go to One Piece not without the film and then the subtitle again. And then <laughs> One Piece film again 
it just oh i hate inconsistency like that you guys know how much i hate it yeah i i'm getting some nice fl- nostalgic flashbacks to our discussion of game box spines in the first quarantine chronicles oh don't even start with that crap <laughs> game box and dvd and blu-ray yeah yeah but yeah pokemon 3 to movie even me being a little kid i'm just like this doesn't make sense doesn't make sense it was a fine movie i liked i, I liked entei being in it and stuff but like it doesn't make sense yeah pokemon 3 has the hypest scene of all time i think i've talked about this before you probably have which scene are you uh the part where ente blasts uh ash oh yeah yeah, yeah. cliff and charizard comes out of nowhere and saves him yeah the the swoop or or i guess we get a swoop swoop up but yeah yeah so sick love that scene love that movie had it on dvd i had it on dvd as well i think i have all three pokemon movies in some physical format all th- i honestly all think pokemon the first movies in vhs all three, the first you're three. missing the, like the you're three, missing like 20 movies there the three full theatrical releases in the western hemisphere uh, nope, pokemon he- forever West- was also yeah. released on in theaters well my collection's worth it <laughs> throw it all and out I'm pretty and i'm pretty <laughs> sure the fifth movie was also released yeah i think you might actually be right oh, but so were those limited one. runs or full it was releases? the one latios and latias that was a limited run i think i think it was called heroes <laughs> Anytime I, anytime I hear heroes, I just think Sonic heroes. Yeah, Pokemon heroes. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jirachi Wishmaker was also in theaters. But those were like... Fant- oh, no, it was, no, like wasn't, the, no, it wasn't. Those were like limited engagement, limited run, one weekend only things, weren't they? Uh, I'm talking like Warner Brothers being like, yeah, we're going to put this out like a real movie. That's what I mean. Those first three were like that. Maybe the fourth too. But. The English adaptation was produced by four kids and distributed by Miramax Films, which was released on May 16th. Uh, no, that was an actual, like, theatrical release. Wow. And that's interesting. Miramax. So the Disney film. distributed Pokemon at one point? That's interesting. The film... Okay, you're right. In North America, the film had a limited run in theaters. Okay, only opening yeah. with 196. Opening at the same time as Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Wow. That's weird to think about how long ago that was. Like, 2003? Or 2005 or something. Man, Age. we're old now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Well, on from anime, let's go into... Let's see. What do you feel like? Yeah. I feel Dealer's like I want to talk about the Resident Evil 4 remake. Oh, snap. Also a relic of an old no, time. That no, no. You want to get into Snap? We can get into Snap. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played Snap in a while. Although I wouldn't mind listening to what's going on in Snap. I mean, is Discord still a thing? Discord is still very much a thing. What about Destroy? Well, you said Null was a thing, so that makes sense. Yeah, Null is a thing. Oh, of course it move is. Decks, move decks are like the are like the redheaded stepchilds now. Are they not getting better? No. What, um, what about Bounce? Like, I know Kitty... No one plays... Oh, actually, every, every player is going to get uh, Kitty Pride for free. Really? Wow. Yeah, because of how busted she was. Damn, I didn't expect that. So they're like, "Well, we can't nerf her, so we'll just give her to everybody." Pretty much, they did. They did slightly nerf her, um, but I forgot what it was. But they uh, did slightly nerf her. Yes. Damn. So yeah. Anyways, but yeah, Resident Evil Four. So yeah, I finally. Finally had a chance to actually sit down and play a single player game for a while. I don't know what happened with the Hell of the Planets, but 
Hopefully it happens again soon. But yeah, I got to play through, I think it's like the first act of the game. And yes, this is my first time playing. Uh, no, that's not necessarily true. This is the longest or the furthest I've gotten in any version of Resident Evil 4. Because I know it's like on basically every platform ever. Which is funny for a game that was supposed to be a GameCube exclusive, but... Yeah, they literally went <laughs> 2005 to like GameCube and then every year since like, and this system, and this system, and this system. It's on anyway, iOS yeah. at some point. I don't know, it has so many I ports. think it was on, you could probably play it on a smart fridge at this point. Or like a washing machine. Yeah. But, you know, that game had so much notoriety. Like everyone knows Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is really special. It's always Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 2. But I feel like, and I thought this could be way out wrong, but it feels like Resident Evil 4 is typically her- heralded as the the best Resident Evil period. I know Resident Evil 2 is really close, but yeah, I, the closest I got was buying it on Wii, which I've also heard is probably one of the best versions of it because of the controls. Played maybe the first hour, maybe hour, probably less, and just stopped. I wasn't really fully into Resident Evil yet. But then, obviously, you know, we've gushed about these games at Nauseam. Like, Resident Evil 2 came out. The remake, fell in love with that. Revelations, also fell in love with that one. Still haven't played any of the OG versions of the Resident Evil 2 or 3. And, of course, they eventually got to Resident Evil 4, which, admittedly, from what I've heard, obviously, because I haven't played the originals, is... While it is a full remake, it's not a full remake like Resident Evil 2 was, because that was, you know, single point camera, single perspective camera. It's, you know, controls are just way different. You're going from a, what do you even call it? Uh, dirt, I guess it's still isometric static oh, camera game. Uh, people used to jokingly call it tank controls. Tank controls, yeah. Yeah, tank yeah. controls with an isometric static camera to a third person over the shoulder view which i don't know they just made it work it was scary it felt like i was in a escape room that could kill me it was it was great three felt more like let's do let's do the escape room but also make it more of an action movie and more scripted so this yeah it just felt less tense because everything was scripted for the most part which was disappointing because nemesis was built up to be Mr. X, but on steroids. And then 4 doesn't really have a Mr. X or a Nemesis. At least one that has gotten a lot of fame like those two did, because even it now... Does have a, it does have an enemy that was like, holy crap, this character is, is in here? But that's pretty much it. Or more like this enemy is, is in here. It, it was something sort of not seen at Resident Evil 4. Huh. Well, I guess I'll get to that eventually. But yeah, you will. But yeah, otherwise, like you know, expectations were pretty, pretty tempered. I, I need to be excited, but also just to be ready for a different Resident Evil because it wasn't going to be an escape room. Because I think that is still my preferred Resident Evil, where something is chasing, with something is hunting you down, but you also have to solve a bunch of puzzles. This one, so far, like in the first like five, six hours that I've played, has felt more like a slower-paced Call of Duty campaign um, with the same controls as Resident Evil 2 or the same mechanics. 
Because so far I've done a lot of running and gunning, a lot of shotgunning to like crowds of like people, and it doesn't that doesn't sound very Resident Evilish, but that's kind of the whole point of this game. It was kind of giving it a fresh coat of paint, and I've only been a little disappointed so far because I haven't gotten jump. No, I've gotten one jump scare in the beginning, but then I've just been finding these villagers, these Spaniards, so much that they've kind of uh, lost their scariness. Because the first time you run into them, you're like, you know, in a claustrophobic area. And then, like, you try to run around the corner and they're there. And then you run to another corner and they're there. And you're like, whoa. And you have the metal ammo. And, you know, it's it's scary. But then the second time, you're kind of like, already just got reloaded. You don't... I was also playing it on the standard difficulty. So it's not like I'm playing it on easier. But I feel like I always have enough ammo to mow down everybody. And... By the time I got to, like, the third big encounter right now, it's, like, another horde of them. But there's, like, those exploding barrels everywhere. And, you know, it's just explosions, explosions. And then right. these and these villagers also have catchphrases they, they really love to say over and over again. Like, they'll say something like, <laughs> No puedes, oh, puedes correr, pero no te puedes esconder. Or, that's another fun one, like, Ahí estás, or te veo. And then, oh, God. Well, and... For those that don't know Spanish, they were just saying, you can run, but you can't hide. There you are. I see you. And the one they repeat almost, this one almost to a comically, like, immersion breaking point. They'll say, like, here it comes. But, and, you know, they'll say, ahí va eso. Pretty much, their villagers are always throwing axes at you or dynamite. And, yeah, they feel the need to, you know, call that out to you. Like, the first time was funny. I guess it was never scary or whatever it was meant to be, but yeah, I don't. I, why do they have to yell that out for every single thing they throw? But otherwise, like the way they move around is awesome. Like they still, like you know, you you they do a good job of making the the gunplay difficult because like the characters, like the enemies, like those villagers I mentioned, as they walk towards you, like they shamble around in unpredictable ways, like you. Like, even Leon, like, is almost never still, which sounds annoying if you're trying to get a headshot because the enemies are constantly bobbing back and forth unpredictably. And Leon is also, like, kind of unable to keep his arm still. So, like, it's, I, I miss a lot of shots. And when you miss one shot, like, it takes forever to reload. And then during that time, they, like, wind up and will, like, hit you with the axe. So, you have to either be very patient and careful with your shots or you have to, like, you have to think on the fly a lot. Like, as a game, like, just as a video game, I'm having a ton of fun with it. Like, it, yeah, it feels like an, a survival, survival action horror. Maybe less on the horror. Yep. You but, nailed it. But that's pretty much <laughs> what this game feels like. Because I'm not getting scared. I'm, if anything, I'm going like, oh, that's cool. Or like, oh, damn, that's, that's badass. But for the most part, yeah, I haven't been going like, oh, oh, what's that? But, yeah, this game is decidedly not a survival horror game the same way the first three games are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is partly why it was such a big deal when it came out, is it was so different from what horror games were considered to be at that point. Like, it was yeah, such like this a game, like, pivot. This game was... Uh, re- I actually saw a documentary on, on Resident Evil 4 like a few days ago. Uh, Resident Evil 4 started out and... The game that 
was started off as Resident Evil 4 essentially turned into Devil May Cry. Um, huh. That's interesting. Yep. Like the prototype that they started with eventually just turned into Devil May Cry. I, I do recall when they first announced Resident Evil 4 when it was part of the Capcom 5. I don't know if you guys remember the GameCube days. There's this huge yep. thing. No third yeah. party support. The Piano Capcom 3. 5. Piano 3, Resident Evil 4, three. Beautiful Joe, great game. Um, and then two dead ones that never came to light, uh, Dead Phoenix. And, oh, Killer7 came out. So only one never made it, which was Dead Phoenix. But, uh, for huh. name. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I remember in the original footage of Resident Evil 4 at that presentation that, you know, watching the low-res version of it on IGN or whatever, uh, it looked like a normal Resident Evil. Is Leon going to, like, a dark hallway and it was, like, you know, kind of, like, lightning in the windows and it seemed like kind of a mansion and then it disappeared for a while and when it came back, it was this totally different thing in what Resident Evil 4 now is and that, I think, like, yeah, it was really... It's such and an interesting slice to, of time, to become, essentially. Like, yeah. For it to turn to Devil May Cry, though, or at least one other version, sounds kind of crazy. I wonder if, like, yeah, that's wild. I wonder if it was yeah. like a like, all right, no such thing as a stupid idea. What's the next Resident Evil going to be? Like, all right, I got an idea for you. What if we do no horror, just pure, like, balls to the walls action? I haven't played a Devil May Cry, but I'm guessing that's kind of how the pitch went, and then. I mean, Devil May Cry is kind of like Bayonetta in a way. So if you play Bayonetta, you have a rough idea of how intense, insane it can be, <laughs> right? Yep. Like they're kind of similar. Yep, yep, in yep. fact, I think the guy who did Bayonetta worked on Devil May Cry before they spun off to do Platinum, right. didn't they? Kamiya, I want to see. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's, that's who was originally yeah. in charge of of uh, Resident Evil Four. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, the the web. Of people that come out of Capcom that have gone to do various things, it's very interesting to like trace it. Same with Sega. Well, I don't know. He's up to and Yuji. I don't know what it is about the mascot guys because yeah, Inafune. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, Yuji Naka's been arrested twice for insider trading at Square Enix. So Jeez. again, I'm gonna repeat that twice he got arrested. So and it's great because every news story about it. He was wearing his, uh, what's it called? Uh, the game that came out, the bad platformer, Wonder World. Bowling in Wonder Bowling in Wonderland. Yeah, whatever it was. He's, you know, like when he did the presentation, he was wearing like an outfit like Nintendo used to do with their developers. They had like a top hat and like a white suit. Every fo- every story about how he got arrested twice had that picture, and it was just so perfect. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I digress. You were saying. Yeah, that's and that's Resident Evil Four. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to playing more of it. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna have to, you know, it, like if people ask me, like, "Oh, what do you think? Like, how do you rank it compared to the other Resident Evils?" Like, that's already like I already know it's already gonna be like a like, oh well, as a Resident Evil game. But then it's like this is Resident Evil to a lot of people, so it's just. Now, I just have to accept there's two kinds of Resident Evils in the main timeline. I mean, that's, I guess that's always been the case. Just like there how... are like seven types of Kirbys well, and two types of Mario I mean, I, and I two guess, types of Zelda. I guess it's not even types. I guess it's just, you know, the I guess finally playing through the transition to an action game. because And, and you can see it. Like Resident Evil 1, you're just in one mansion this whole time. Mm-hmm. Ultimate puzzle escape room. Slow-paced horror zombies. Resident Evil 2... You have a couple different locations, like the police station, you have some secret labs, but still just a 
findy stuff mystery, but you know, the action's a little bigger. There's a couple explosions here and there, but for the most part, it's still self-contained, you know, puzzle findy game. And then three, both in the original and the remake, I know is where, you know, you have more action set pieces and it's less of a puzzle game. And I guess four, you know, I mean, the rest is history. Five is definitely more along the lines of four. As far as My favorite game of all time. <laughs> and six just went full on Call of Duty. Like that one, like unapologetically. Well, my least favorite games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's interesting from one to four. It's really interesting not to get too heady about it, but it, you could really see. I the feel like. The mutation. Yeah, not just the transformation, but the like. Infection. Not the mutation. No, but the. <laughs> the. How they were able to use the limited technology to the best of their ability and how as they start to better understand the technology and then get newer technology and more advanced systems and whatever, more advanced consoles, how they were able to kind of grow into something more. Like, I feel like like with a Mario game, it's like, oh, yeah, it's 8-bit, that's 32-bit, that was 3D. But, like, Resident Evil was in the same, like, going from, like, isometric, isolated puzzles to, okay, we can get a little more explosive and go multiple environments. Okay, now we can do, like, a little more action. Like, to see it, like, grow in that way is kind of interesting. It's like a path of how game industry technology grew, in a way. Like I said, I was getting heady, but it's kind of interesting. But, yeah, it's kind of nice. It is a nice kind of clean transition. And then after five, it gets a little interesting. Oh, yeah, and then I guess it just comes full circle. I guess it's just cyclical. Because after six, you know, they obviously went like, well, this is not working. And they basically went back to and what one was. Soft reboot. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then eight is just one, but with more location. So I guess nine is. Eight is two. Yeah. And nine is three. And ten will be four. Yep. Yep. But So, Kevin, your next all-time favorite game is going to be Resident Evil 11 based on this math. So get ready. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately <laughs> still looking to play more of it. It's great, but if someone asks me what's my favorite Resident Evil game, well, we'll see what happens, but I feel it's most likely still going to be two just based on the fact I prefer that kind. But you know, you never know. Maybe there are some locations that are going to satisfy that because I feel like I've just scratched the surface, but it's exciting. But yeah, that's Resident Evil 4. Finn. Do you say Finn? And on to. And on to another remake. Ah, yes. Advance Wars, well, plus two. Reboot Camp, yes. Reboot um, camp. Yeah, I feel like it, it's funny because we were just like, I, I, I feel like we can't talk about Advance Wars. So I, I should back up. I bought Advance Wars. I have it, I've had it since Friday. I'm a, you know, a few missions in. It's a remake, though, so I feel like I kind of talk about the systems at play. But I also feel like you can't. Well, first of all, I'm the only one that bought it, right? I'm assuming. You are. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And that's part of my my thing I want to talk about is like I want more people to buy it. But I feel like you can't really talk about advanced words without talking about Fire Emblem. Like in the same way you're talking about how like Resident Evil beget begot other Resident Evils. Like, I feel like Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem Wars, we're intertwined thing. Because if you rewind the clock to when Nintendo first brought Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem to the West in, like, the GBA days, we are really living in the GameCube and Game Boy era in this episode, aren't we? But when they, um, 
you know, first brought those games over, they were well established in Japan, but first time it came to the West, it was actually Advance Wars that led the charge, and it was the success of Advance Wars that I think gave Nintendo the confidence to then localize Fire Emblem. But then that kind of weird thing happened where Fire Emblem was the one that blew up and became one of Nintendo's bigger franchises, and Advance Wars just kind of like petered out, which for me, I was bummed about the fact that, like, Fire Emblem was a ton of fun, but I was bummed about the fact that um, Advance Wars kind of disappeared because I've always preferred Advance Wars. Um, I think because the underlying structure of the gameplay, which I'll probably get to in a moment, but also, like, the more modern saying, the lighter tone. So I feel like in talking about Reboot Camp, it's less of me just talking about Reboot Camp. It's more of, like, me wanting to convince everyone to go buy it and support the franchise because, like, here's the other thing. The game just is not being marketed well, like, at all. Like, Nintendo announced the release date in February, right? Um, and then only started uploading videos to their YouTube and tweeting about it, like, two weeks ago. And none of the initial videos and tweets even had gameplay footage. They didn't show gameplay footage until this past week, the week it came out. Um, obviously, they showed some years ago by meaning, like, this kind of relaunch of it. And... Um, and now there's, like, stories of physical copies being undershipped to stores, kind of like what happened in Metroid Prime Remastered. And I don't even think the game's getting a Japanese release at all, which is weird. So there's that hurdle to overcome. And then, of course, Tears of the Kingdom is out in a few weeks. That's going to overshadow Advance Wars completely. Um, and, and, you know, understandably, a lot of this, I think it's kind of an extension of Nintendo's choice to initially delay the game for, like, a full year, if not longer, due to uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So um, really I kind of get why it's... Yeah, it's supposed to come out, I think, February or April of 21, and then they bumped it to now. Or no, not 21, 22, and then they bumped it now to 23, yeah. And obviously it just came out. But um, but yeah, nonetheless, like, regardless of why they're not promoting it, like, I don't see a scenario where if the game underperforms, we get any more Advance Wars. Like, Fire Emblem is Nintendo's, like, strategy game bread and butter. So this is them seeing if... Maybe, uh, I don't even know how it works. It's like everyone loves that type of bread. And they're like, well, what if you also like this other kind of similar type of bread that we just found the old recipe for? And maybe we're going to cook it up and see if you like it. And that's a horrible analogy, but whatever, I'm running with it. But but seriously, there's just like enough here in this re-release to tease what like a true, modern, new Advance Wars could be. And that's exciting. And it's, it's great because like there is a ton of content in this game. There's like 50 hours worth. And, you know, two full campaigns and multiplayer stuff like that. But it would be so much, it would be so great to see if this gets, can get flushed out further in the future. And I think most people, um, the more people that pick up the game, well, one, I think most people are going to be happy to get a real one if after the remake. But more like a real new one. But more of the point, like, the more people that pick up the game, the better chance there is of getting a real one. So with that in mind, I feel like there's almost two audiences that kind of want to direct my impressions to. First are the folks who have never played back in the day and why you should care. And then second are those who have. So... Um, to the folks who've never played Advance Wars, um, you guys have both played Advance Wars, right? Yeah, we're really. There's a yes and a not really. Is that what I caught there? Yeah. I've only, I've only ever played the local multiplayer game where you're like shooting at each other in real time and spawning tanks and... Wait, what? You're talking about Battalion Wars? That's a spinoff. No, 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 no. This was on Advanced GameCube? Wars. I think it was no. This was on DS. So this was part of the sequel. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah there was yeah, like a local. Not, I mean, it's Advanced Wars, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's well. Yeah, um, that, that, that's the closest I've gone to playing Advanced Wars in general. Cool. So I'm catering to each of you with my different impression because we got one who has and one who has. So for folks who've never played it back in the day, um, 
I'm sure the the biggest question is like, what makes this different from Fire Emblem besides that weird mode you played, Angel? And and you know, how dare I say I like it better than Fire Emblem? Right? Like Fire Emblem is this massive franchise. How can I like Advance Wars better? And ultimately, I I think it boils down to, um, I guess what I consider like the simplicity of Advance Wars. Um, this is what I was sort of saying before, and I was like, I've got the underlying approach to gameplay. Like, I'll come back to that. This is what I'm talking about. Like, which is not to say that the gameplay itself is simple. Uh, but the core gameplay hook is so much more straightforward of a pitch than Fire Emblem. Like, Advanced Wars is just a plain old strategy game. You're giving your units, you start your mission, you have some rock, paper, scissors type systems, and off you go. That's it. Fire Emblem, on the other hand, of course, you know, leans more heavily into the RPG trappings. Each character um, on the battlefield is this unique person you care about. They have their own backstory. They have their own stats that carry from battle to battle. Uh, obviously, the whole permadeath thing will make you think differently about your soldiers should you enable it as the Fire Emblem Gods originally intended you to. Uh, Advanced Wars, by comparison, is just like, hey, here's a new map, here's a new scenario, here's some troops, have fun. Um, which, again, is not to say there isn't strategy within the layers of how you approach the battles in Advanced Wars. Um, you know, be it which units are good or bad against each other, what terrain to traverse, and how you can, like, bolster or hinder your matchups based on where you are physically on the map, uh, how you lay out your units, how to handle this whole fog of war mechanic that hides enemies uh, from view until you can send certain scouts or recon units to see more of the map. Like all that stuff is like a really great interplay between that and the various systems along with an entire whole other system on top of that called CO powers or commanding officer powers. So these are um, – you have a leader. Of, these are the characters. So instead of being like individual soldiers, you have like these leaders and these leaders have different abilities and special powers. Uh, you know, if you, you fill up your meter, maybe one like Andy can boost the health and ammo of your units or – some of them can change like weather conditions and, and things like that. So that's just another variable on top of the multiple stacks of rock, paper, scissor choices you already have to make. But um, I think I think the thing about it is Advanced Wars list exists in a way that is very complementary of Fire Emblem because of those differences. Um, the second – I don't know if you guys remember the second Advanced Wars on DS, Days of Ruin. It kind of deviated – a little like it devalued the role of COs and, and their powers and moved a bit more in like a Fire Emblem direction, uh, which I think probably maybe hurt the franchise by starting to blend what was a clear distinction in each series approach to strategy. Um, but with Reboot Camp, it's still very complimentary of Fire Emblem as, 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 ever was in, as it ever was in the early days. So my hope is a lot of folks who maybe came in through three houses or engage on the Switch, you know, they can enjoy Advance Wars because while similar in a lot of ways, it's also something that could very easily stand on its own and have its own strategy and do its own thing. And I personally have always skewed in the direction of that with Advance Wars. Um, I guess, Angel, it's not really a question for you, but Kevin, you've played both franchises. Which do you tend to like more? I mean, it's been forever since I had played a uh, Advance Wars that, like, I would need to play Reboot Camp in order That's to fair. decide which one I That's like fair. Like, yeah. Because I, I loved Fire Emblem Awakening. It was Probably one of my favorite games of all time on 3DS. Um, and, you know, and, just right. Advance Wars didn't have that. And none of this, so. to be fair, is a knock against Fire Emblem. It's its own beast and it's its own great beast. I'm just sort of like, listen, if you like Fire Emblem, there's enough difference here to care about Advance Wars too. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think that's only part of the potential audience again, Creech, right? Like the folks who've never played. Like, here's why you'd be interested. It has these different strategies, different systems. But the other group, the, the, the ones that represent you and me, Kevin, uh, they're probably a decent chunk of people listening to this, actually. And those are people already well-versed well, well in Advance Wars. Um, and on that front, I think there's a few things that jump out in Reboot. Oh, on that front. Ha! But on that front, I think there's a few things that uh, jump out in Reboot Camp. Um, 
online play, new graphics, quality of life improvements. Those are the biggies. Uh, I'm actually going to go down that list in reverse now. I'm going to go backwards. Um, so the one I really, the one that I think has had the biggest impact on my playthrough so far has been the quality of life stuff. Um, like, frankly, I, I have no idea how I used to play Advanced Wars without ever having the reset turn option that now exists. So at any time during your turn, you can just unwind everything you just did in the turn and start again. I've used it so many times already after realizing I made a tactical error. I have a better way I could do things. It's just so much better than back in the day when I cleverly thought, oh, if I hit save and then quit and then restart the game, I can just undo what I did. Like, this is just so much easier. It's so nice. But um, but there's other good stuff, too. Like, I remember back in the day, and I don't know, Cam, if you remember experiencing this, but the AI could kind of cheat at Fog of War scenarios. Like like I was saying before, for just as a refresher for those who don't know, Fog of War basically is this major mechanic of the game, even more so in Advance Wars 2. But Advance Wars 1 in particular is this major mechanic in which parts of the map are hidden from your opponent, so you can strategically like set up units and you know lay traps and your enemy would be none the wiser, all that jazz. But in at least Advance Wars 1, uh, the problem was it always felt like the computer-controlled enemy could kind of see right through the fog of war. And, uh, you know, obviously that would make it hard to lay traps. But so far, and admittedly I'm not super far into the game, but so far, uh, it looks like the AI doesn't see right through the fog anymore. Like I can actually lure them away and lay traps and do everything that you would think you'd be doing if you're playing in a fog of war scenario against a real person, just against the computer in single player. And that's a revelation in a weird way. It's like it's a minor thing, but it's also kind of a major thing compared to the old advanced wars. Even the way the um, units move, like they used to, especially in advanced wars one, always stick to the same basic moves. Uh, and you could kind of like figure out, oh, if I go around this, they'll do that and then I could do this. This time they actually are responding to you, so they behave differently, which is kind of cool. Um, the other biggie is that there's a fast-forward button now. Uh, so if you hold ZR, you can now watch everything play out, uh, battle animations, you know, all of it. But you don't have to sit through the whole thing at normal speed, which sounds like a no-duh type of thing in 2023, but it never existed in the original. And it's nice to have it, and I find myself using it a lot because you do still want to see what the troops are doing. You want to see where they're moving, but you don't necessarily need them to go at that pace. You don't necessarily need to see the full drawn-out attack animation. And there's a way to turn off the animations entirely, but I still like having them on some level. But it's nice to have the fast-forward. Um, and another favorite thing that they added in mind, as silly as this may sound, the inclusion of a new casual difficulty. So the original difficulty is still there for those who want it. Um, it's now called Classic. Uh, and I believe you can still unlock hard after completing the campaign, just like in the GBA days. But Advance Wars, um, to be honest, Advance Wars can be a tricky game, even in standard play. Like, as a kid, I, I sometimes struggled with it. Here, so far, there's been a couple missions. I'm like, hmm. And I feel like, I, I honestly feel like it's kind of a side effect of it not being as focused on individual units as Fire Emblem is. In that, like, the game's a bit more brutal with how even the CPUs will treat their troops. Um, so they'll kind of make more outlandish moves you're sometimes up against and have to deal with. And I think, you know, having this casual difficulty and then having the ability to switch that difficulty essentially on the fly at any time for your, um, you know, save file is, is really nice. You do have to back out of the battle and go like the main screen, but you can back out another nice perk. You can back out of the battle at any time and it will save your placing in the battle. You do not have to finish the battle in that setting like you did in the old days, which again goes back to what I was saying, where like one of the things I think Advanced Wars does well that Final kind of doesn't is um, because it's a little more sort of 
sliced up and you're not caring about troops over a long period of time and stuff, it's more pick up and play friendly. And having the fact that you could just like stop a battle in the middle of battle, not even just put your system in the home menu but, or like like hit home and leave it suspended, but actually turn off the game and do something else and come back and you'll still remember where you were in the battle. That's nice. That's a really nice thing. So if you put all these things together, they make the game feel really fresh, um, especially in terms of like, like I was saying, how enemies actually handle themselves differently in the field. Um, and then when you couple it with like the new 3D graphics, it really does kind of feel like a new experience. Um, but about those graphics, they've been kind of a hot button issue. How, how do you guys feel about how the game looks? I mean, you've seen some footage, I'm sure. It's not sprites anymore. Fine. Like... Yeah, I, I it's an offense. Like I never thought of, I never thought, I never looked at the game. I thought like, well, this game looks dated or bad or anything. Like, I mean, it looked. I haven't had much I, of that either, personally. I mean, I kind of like. Right. If anything, I like the aesthetic. I like the simplistic, clean, like cartoony look. I mean, it's definitely more on the anime side, but you know, it's so it's had an appealing aesthetic. I mean, obviously yeah, a lot of orange, yeah, like I, so I mean, you already won me over. So <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I think the 3D looks pretty good. I mean, Kevin did it, did it. Did you have an opinion one way or another when they did finally show gameplay of this? Uh, I think it looks fine. Okay, it's so you were that, all saying people. That sort of like, yeah. like little like toolbox, like not yeah. toolbox, like like a like a toy, like, like a little a, toy set. Toy, yeah, yeah, a little toy set. Yeah, like a tabletop game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like it's interesting because some of the diehard fans online, are like, oh my god, they like made it so kid, like it's toys now, which is the game's always been like hard. But um, I will admit. It does take a little getting used to when you're actually playing because one thing I noticed is that um, telling the difference between like the small and medium-sized tanks or really any unit that looks kind of similar like that, it's a bit harder to tell because back in the Game Boy days, it was flat art with like bold outlines and these 2D sprites. And now it's like these little 3D, little 3D all orange polygonal tanks and then these other little 3D all orange polygonal tanks and one has a slightly bigger gun than the other. So it takes a little bit, but um, as I kept playing, I've grown more accustomed to the look and feel as well as, you know, gotten over that hump of uh unit identification um partly because one other nice feature they added now that i think about it, is if you hit the shoulder button um you can actually when you have the unit selected it brings up a little mini menu about the unit type and the status and some pros and cons of it and other details like it's really they really try to make it very approachable for people um but one aspect i did really like about the graphics that some people don't seem to like i was saying the the toy aesthetic like the little toys on a board um I think up until Days of Ruin on DS, which is a whole nother conversation, uh, the game was very lighthearted for a game about war. So that – the toy box thing, yeah, I'm totally cool with that too. Andrew, I know you mentioned the characters and the kind of anime look. Yeah, they they definitely have been put through like the way forward like character design filter of sorts. But I think they look good. Yeah, and they're, they have more personality now. They you know animate and they're 3D and stuff. So it's a nice touch. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on that's new are the online aspects. Um so if you have any friends, real life or online, that are into Advance Wars, uh, this alone could be worth buying the whole package because you can play against anyone on your friends list online, but you can also create custom maps and share those maps and play those maps with your friends online. So you basically have an unlimited number of maps, if you think about it. Uh, and both of those are super cool options to be able to do, play online and do it on custom maps. Um, you know, like if you had, like I'm thinking back to when I was in, middle school and Game Boy Advance days and my friend I grew up in Montana he still lives in Montana we both play the Advance Wars like the fact that I can now play Advance Wars with him for the first time in like 15 years is super cool or if you're like part of a discord group or whatever it makes total sense that said this is also where a point I raised um, at the start of my impression Joey comes into play this feels like a tease of what a modern Advance Wars could be like Reboot Camp feels like it's just a tease of what's come because like yes we do have online multiplayer 
but only for people on your friends list. There's no random matchmaking. They do have those online custom maps, right? But again, there's no system in place to browse ones made by strangers. You have to go find them on the internet and get the code or whatever. Like there's the fresh coat of paint. There's the improved AI. There's the quality of life improvements. They're all great, but they're on existing scenarios from games on the Game Boy. Like none of this is a problem per se. I mean, whether you're new or revisiting the franchise or whatever, there's so much to play and do. Two full campaigns, unlockable challenges. There's a whole new in-game currency system I didn't even mention where like you earn coins by doing stuff in single player that you can then spend on like extra unlockables and art and like you can unlock commanding officers to use outside the sequence of the story when you want and like stuff like that. Um, Obviously the online stuff. It is a very full package and it's one you're going to get mileage out for sure. But it's also like kind of selfishly here. It's just wanting me to – I just want everyone to buy this so we can get like the true new next-gen Advance Wars that we deserve for the last like 15 years. Like give us random matchmaking, not just people you know and maybe make it asynchronous. So like if you're playing and your opponent's playing, you guys could like play when you want and not play at the same time. It'd be great as like a smartphone game even or like give us like new units and new strategies. I mean from Advance Wars 1 to 2, you only gain the Neo Tank. That's the only new unit. Um you know, way forward when they redid the characters, they added some very light, uh, light voice acting. Uh, actually, Andy, funny enough, I'm 99.9% sure that Andy is voiced by the same person who was Ash's original voice in Pokemon. Sounds identical. But, like, they got these voice actors. Take it the step further. Do full voice acting. There's a great, like, animated opening cutscene when you first boot up the game, like a cinematic. Do those throughout the game, not just a one and done. Like, Reboot Camp is laying a really great foundation for what a really cool Advance Wars comeback can look like and it's doing so with a lot of bang for your buck in terms of content quality content in fact but it's just making me really want that next advance wars so that means people need to buy it so go buy it that's what i'm saying but no it's really cool it's a really fun package and i hope it does bring back the franchise in a bigger way because it's yeah they it's good stuff good stuff anyway that's all i got i mean i don't know if i'm gonna They'll get anytime soon just because, yeah, I guess the... If the franchise never comes back, it's your fault, personally yours. Yes. I'm not giving it false hope. I mean, I'm just not the target audience. (laughs) Like, I never really got into Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem for that matter. It's fine because I never was super deep into strategy games, but there's something about, like, it's like... In the same way that, like, I prefer more linear experiences or more, like, bite-sized ones or, like, structured ones, like, this does that because all the maps are, like, individual battles. Like, your units don't transfer over. There's nothing you need to grind against. It's just, like, here you go. You did a map. So, like, yeah, it's it, it's very Nintendo-fied in a way. Well, maybe one well, century. One century? How many centuries do you plan on living for, Angel? Well, at least two. You're going to be 200 years old? Yeah, that's the plan. Well, technically you have lived for two, the 1900s and the 2000s. So I guess you you can check that box. Yeah, you have to make it to the 2200s? If he makes it to the 2100s, he'll be three centuries at that point. Oh. Oh, you're good. He'd also also be 121 or 111, which I guess is possible. Well, that's good. Nice. Anyway, pipe dreams are <laughs> plausible. But yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Let's continue this Nintendo trade. Yeah. Okay. What is Nintendo um, Life? Yeah, 
Um, what do you think of Nintendo Live? This was out of left field, what Nintendo announced. Do you guys know about Nintendo Live? Like, what they actually announced? Uh, nope. No. Okay, so, basically, sometime in September in the city of Seattle, Nintendo's doing their own convention, essentially, which I find kind of fascinating, because, like, these sorts of things are so, so few and far between for Nintendo. Like, they've done stuff in the past. Like, if you go way back, they did, like, the Wii Summer Games where they built, like, a two-story tent. Actually, like, five minutes from my parents' house in, in, here in L.A., which was a little weird. But, um, yeah, and they had, like, all these games and these events and these tournaments and things going on. It was, like, a weekend. But, like, this is big. This is a convention. And, you know, it's at a time when Nintendo's marketing strategy actually is sort of, like, tempering my hype more than I would expect. Like, if this was 2001 and they were like, we're going to bring Space World to America, I would have been losing my mind. But the way they're presenting this and what it is and what they've been doing lately, I'm kind of like, oh, okay. So for those, for those unaware, like you guys, in September, in Seattle, they're billing this event as an all-ages celebration of Nintendo fun where you can, and I quote, share the excitement of playing games together, enjoy live stage performances, and more across a large-scale themed area. Whether you and your family are new to the games, characters, and worlds of Nintendo, or are lifelong fans, everyone's welcome to have fun. So that is Nintendo Live. E3 it is not, it sounds like. Like, it sounds very kid-friendly, which, to be fair, the existing Japanese ones they've done for a couple years are. Um, but yeah, it, I, it sounds less like a come-play-new-games and more like a, you like Mario Kart? We're gonna have a tournament and you can meet Mario type of event. You know what I mean? I want to meet Mario. But... I, I mean, yeah, I, who who won't want to meet Mario? But I, I do, the I thing that's intriguing that. to me, he won't, it, it, <laughs> he might. I, I don't know why I didn't play along. I was like, he, I mean, he came to he my might. house. Who knows? Yeah, I oh, know, yeah. I was there. I, I won you that opportunity. <laughs> but is that the same Mario? The costumes have changed over like three times since then. And wait, gotten wait, 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 what do you mean? Why would it not be the same Mario? That was, that was Mario. It's, it's, yeah, I, oh, you're right, you're right. It's the same Mario. He just got plastic surgery a couple times over couple that must be it i will say for what's worth the mario costumes that went to your house for that mario party party are the definitive in my mind like mario like every mario costume character since that they've reinvented has gotten weirder to me one of them looks like they're high on mushrooms like the eyes are super weird the ones at universal are a little funky because they blink like none of them quite hit the mark in the way that the ones that went to your house did so you got the definitive mario at least damn that's pretty cool I bet you didn't expect me to have a thought on the Mario costumes, but I've been stewing on this for a long time. Spared no expense. So, yeah. But, um, no, the thing that sounds interesting about Nintendo Live to me is the live stage performance thing. Because in Japan, they do Animal Crossing and Splatoon concerts. And they do the, they use the Tupac hologram technology to put the Squid Sisters and KK Slider, like, on stage and they do like oh, full so that's where from? band performances correct I so they're bringing that to the america one. yeah, yeah. Cool. so that to me makes this whole thing potentially worth it even if nothing else besides that and like photo ops is really worth talking about um that should be cool and i, I like also how, wonder um, yeah i like how tupac hologram technology is just what we're using <laughs> Yeah, so, so that we're all on board as to what they're using and what what it means. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like they they never made a real name for that, did they? I never even like, saw I footage of this technology in action, but I know exactly what you're talking about because that's just all I yep, knew it yep. as. It's it's yeah, it's funny how that 
cults or culture takes over, whatever it's really called. But um, yeah, so they did that. That'd be cool. And I thought it was interesting too. I don't know if you guys paid any attention. Uh, the Game Awards are doing a 10-year celebration at the Hollywood Bowl. Like, a con- Oh, wait. Yeah, you guys do know about this because we texted about it. But um, yeah, so Nintendo's not at all involved in a celebration of the past decade of gaming at the Hollywood Bowl. And according to Jeff Keighley, it wasn't because they didn't want like he didn't try. Nintendo wasn't interested, and that's got me like, well, if Nintendo's bowing out of a Hollywood Bowl, L.A. Philharmonic, Best of Game Award music, where they've had a Game Award winner like in Zelda. If they're not doing that, what are they doing in terms of these live performances at Nintendo Live? Because it feels like a no-brainer to do the Hollywood Bowl show, unless you're doing your own show. So. I don't know what that's going to turn into. That could be cool. Side note, the lineup of the Hollywood Bowl show is really weird. I don't oh, know if you guys feel the same way. Uh, I mean, it didn't feel weird because, I mean, I, I was hoping, I was just hoping for more Nintendo. I was hoping for Nintendo. That, that was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, that sounded like Nintendo said no, not anyone else. But no, the thing I find weird about it is, so it's a celebration of 10 years of gaming. And Uh-oh. they have about two years of gaming. And then they have like, a show based on a game, and then three of the games are licensed properties from other mediums. So they don't have Mario, they don't have Zelda, they don't have, I don't know, Crash Bandicoot, but they have Spider-Man, they have Harry Potter with Hogwarts Legacy, they have Star Wars, and yes, those are big properties in gaming too, but it feels like if you're like, gaming, let's celebrate the music of gaming, being like, by the way, here's the theme from Star Wars, doesn't quite count? I don't know. Like, usually I'm a huge supporter of Jeff Keighley's stuff with the Game Awards, but this one I'm just kind of like, it feels a little too like it's marketing and not enough like it's an actual like concert reflecting on the industry's successes. And I understand his hands are tied to some degree, but it's just like, I don't know. Like I had really high hopes for that show and I, I'm not getting tickets because I was like, oh, there's no game. There's no Nintendo and like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, Nintendo Live. Yeah, um, I, I, uh, I was going to say that in it, I sort of touched on this, but they've done these in Japan for the last few years. And those events tend to focus on, like, currently available games more than upcoming ones. And I think that might be what makes or breaks it for me if I go. I don't know if you guys have any interest in going, like, a little random or Nintendo road trip to Seattle in September. But, like, I I still want to go to Seattle. So, I mean. So this could be a good reason, but, like, but I don't really know. Like, Nintendo's marketing lately like so they did pax east about three weeks ago right and i think that's the tone of what to expect from nintendo live so they had tournaments which is cool around mario kart and splatoon and then they had a booth here's the lineup of the booth and again this isn't catering to us at this point it's fine they're carrying people who don't own switches who aren't the diehards here's the booth mario party superstars mario golf super rush new suit mario brothers u deluxe yoshi's crafted world and the original NES Super Mario Brothers. That was their booth. They had nothing that was released in the past year. Or coming out this year. Just thought that was kind of interesting. Even like when we went to Comic-Con last year, they had all currently released games, not unreleased or upcoming ones. Um, so I would very much expect that Nintendo Live, if we're going, we're going for the performances, we're going for the stage show, we're not, or the, the photo ops, we're not going for the games, which is weird to say about a Nintendo event. Unless you want to play 
the original NES Mario, which honestly I never I never will say no to the original NES Mario. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like as if I haven't already been saying it for months with Nintendo's marketing old Mario games for the Mario movie and stuff like that. I feel like it's now more than than ever with PAX East and with how they're sort of positioning Nintendo Live as not being about upcoming games. Like they aren't saying anywhere you can demo unreleased games or new games. They they literally do not say anything about upcoming releases like they would for E three. But I feel like this all points to that we are very firmly in the phase of like the evergreen era for the Switch. I mean, even sales wise, there's been no Nintendo game in the top ten games on the NPD. Like, or actually, it's not even called NPD anymore. They renamed the NPD church is now called Circana, which is an awful name. But um, top ten games in February, not a single Nintendo one. First time that's happened since September 2021. March's top 10 that came out this past week. Mario Kart 10 at number 10, barely in there. Obviously, Zelda is going to be making a killing on that chart. Pikmin 4 is probably going to do decently well by Switch standards, you know, a few million at least. But I don't think Nintendo needs or wants to rely on new releases as much right now. Like, certainly in terms of drawing up public awareness, we all have Switches. They can sell us new games, no problem. It's kind of like, how do we do physical events as Nintendo to attract people who don't have Switches or to attract, like, the more casual? So I'm pretty sure whatever happens with Nintendo Live, we're not getting really new games there. Happy to be wrong. At most, maybe we'll get something tied into the, the September Nintendo Direct that typically happens. But I'm kind of thinking what we're really going to get is, like, in late August, they always do an Indie World showcase, kind of like they just did the other day. That I could see, like an indie corner, and that could have upcoming games. That's what I think is where my head's at with Nintendo Live, which is weird because I would, in any other circumstance, be so hyped for a Nintendo-dedicated convention, but now I'm just kind of pragmatically being like, yeah, I guess. It's I feel so weird about it. It's not like Nintendo's not doing stuff for us fans. Obviously, the Mario movie, the theme park, Zelda, like, it's, it's a great time to be a fan. But specifically, a live event hosted by Nintendo, I'm so surprised at how, like, chill I am about it and not, like, dying to go. So, yeah, it's strange. It's just so strange. I mean, I get it, but it's strange. So. Did either of you watch Indie World, by the way, the other day? I don't have it on the list or anything. It just occurred to me. I skimmed through it. Like, I just kind of went, like, from game to game to see what they look like. Because I didn't even know it happened until, like, the next day that it appeared on my recommended feed. Right. I guess I don't subscribe to Nintendo. Huh. But, um... Weirdo. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe when I unsubscribe from Go Nintendo, that's also when I unsubscribe from True Nintendo. But, yeah, there was uh, one game stood out to me. Um, It was, I guess, like, uh, the next project by the... Dance of the Necromancer, the Crypt of the Necromancer. Oh, oh, Rift, uh, Rift of the Necrodancer. Yeah, 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 Rift of the Necrodancer. That one looked really cool. It looks like a interesting like rhythm game that is kind of doing its own thing. It's like kind of guitar heroy, but it also has like, it's like some a mini guitar game. hero. But then it has like mini games. Rhythm are... Heaven. Yeah, because the rhythm games or the mini games look like they're just straight ripped out of Rhythm Heaven. But the but the other gameplay looks really fun. Like I I, I like. I like when the rhythm games aren't just here is a song and you're trying to hit the notes to make it feel like you're playing the song. I guess that's kind sure, of most, yeah. a lot of the traditional Western ones are. But, yeah, this one. But I also don't like it when you have full unlimited control. At least that's that's been my experience with Crypt of the Necrodancer because I didn't really enjoy those even though I thought I would. Like, 
jumping yeah. around to the beat isn't as fun as keeping a beat. But yeah, I don't know. I, I felt, suck I, at that. By I, the I way, the limited. high roll one. Which yeah. why I'm kind of worried about lo-fi, hi-fi, ho-fi. Um, some game that came out recently for Xbox and PC that it's on my radar because it looks really cool visually. Oh, Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. But I know that oh, one... that game. That game makes me want to get an Xbox. <laughs> I love the concept of it. But it's also like kind of like rhythm based. But I want to say it's more if you do things in rhythm, you do it more powerfully. Or it's like, you know, correct. You don't, you're not. You don't forced. have to keep the rhythm, yeah. but you want to keep the rhythm. Kind yeah. of like um that other game I played that was also kind of it, it had a lot of rhythm. The aspects with, uh, oh my god, something, something city, or this, no, oh my god, the one with the, it was an indie game, you play as a drummer, rocker duel, trying to fight back against a city, and you have like different robot master equivalents, you have like a DJ, you have to fight basically dubstep, and then you have to fight like anime Japanese pop, and then you also have to fight classical music. No straight roads, no straight roads. That's what it was called, and I know I talked about it on this podcast. But point is, yeah, that's I like, right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, because that game is a rhythm game as well. And when it's not doing traditional rhythm games, like you don't have to do things to the rhythm, only like rarely. But that's usually the beat that the enemies attack. But yeah, interested in Rift of the Necro Dancer. Looking forward to it. I, it was interesting because I feel like Rift of the Necro Dancer, like there's. Now that you mention it, uh, there's kind of like, I know it's not exactly a trend in the indie world. Well, there was a trend, cats. Five games had cats. I was happy about that as a cat owner. You could dress up your cats, ride, like race your cats, unlock pictures of cats, so many cats. But no, the the other thing I noticed is there was more so than usual a lot of sequels or new entries in existing franchises in that indie world. Like there was a Five Night at Freddy's game. I think Oxenfree 2 had its first gameplay shown. There's uh, the Shadow Drop of Tesla Grad 2. I think Blasphem- Blasphemous uh, thing. That's the thing. That got a sequel. Um, but yeah, it's just it kind of, I guess it's a sign of a maturing indie scene. I don't know. But it was, it was interesting that like more so than usual, there are a lot of like recognizable indie franchises. Not even including the DLC, like the Shovel Knight stuff they did um, for the puzzle pocket dungeon, whatever it's called. But like, um, yeah, just like direct sequels. That kind of stuck out to me as a bit interesting. Did you did you watch it at all, Kevin? Or I'm guessing no. Nope. Knew it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm done with my Nintendo corner. Thanks, everybody. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, Nintendo Live. I don't know what to make of it. Cool. Going on from Nintendo Live to Nintendo Sucks. Um, yeah, I want to ask you about that. I saw you add that <laughs> to the notes. <laughs> yeah. So whenever... People like Jason sing the praise of Nintendo. And not and that's unfair to Jason because Jason does criticize the company when they deserve it. But more like the people who just see that Nintendo can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like yelling the way Jesse Pinkman yells at Hank in Breaking Bad after <laughs> he douses Walt's house gasoline. Uh-huh. Uh oh, spoilers for Breaking Bad, I guess. Um the he can't keep getting away with a yell. Because uh, Nintendo is the only company that doesn't get tarred and feather for some of the crap that they pull. Um, I talked about this a while ago with the Skyward Sword Amiibo, uh, which of course, at the end of the day, was almost like a, almost like nothing happened there. 
aside from yeah, you know, yeah it's gonna some come little, away. yep. Which for what's worth, just it's back. Crap. You can get the Skyward Sword amiibo again and then oh, fantastic. design in Tears of the Kingdom for your parasail. So fantastic, full circle. Um, but at least there, it's not as egregious as a quality of life change. But anyways. Right. Uh, well, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, they, and and they've learned. There's ways to... course correcting, but of course they did it. Um, to be fair, they... Um, it's not exactly course correcting, but they... I can't remember what it is. I think it's Platoon 3 or something. They announced there's a new thing that Amiibo can unlock, and then they immediately did a follow-up tweet where they're like, there will also be a software update that lets you unlock this through other means. So they're like starting to learn on that front. Yeah. Uh, but now... They have essentially become an elementary school bully um, to this guy named Gary Bowser. Do you either of you know where I'm going with this? I know exactly where you're going with this. He just got out of prison early, in fact. Yeah. So, Angel, a switch hacker named Gary Bowser uh, was found doing crap that he shouldn't have. Obviously, very, very illegal things. Um, he just got out of prison on good behavior. He was sentenced for 40 months, right? Uh, yes, and he got out in less than that. 11, 18, I think? 20? Yeah, something like that. 11? So I have definitely less than 20 months. Right? He was sentenced to yeah. 40. He paid 11 months of that, 40. Um, But now Nintendo is not asking, but taking money from him until he recoups them. Ten billion dollars until or more. Fourteen point five. Fourteen point five. Fourteen point five. Even worse. Um, are you fucking kidding Wait, me? Wait for hacking their the 3ds. He sold. He sold hack switches. Mm. Yeah, which could run all sorts of illegal stuff. Yeah, and legal stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. But what kind of garbage are they getting out of this scot free with little to no pushback from the industry? Never heard of that. When this man passes, he will still be indebted to Nintendo to the tunes of billions of dollars because they, they want to make an example out of him. I, I pulled real quick a story about it. they while he was in prison, uh he so far has paid hundred seventy five dollars out of his fourteen point five million. Damn. And they, they, he paid that much because they took $25 monthly installments from his income from a job in the prison library. Yep. They couldn't even wait until this man got out of jail. It's, it's so unnecessarily cruel that this billion-dollar company, who is going to make at least a billion off a record-setting movie that just came out, is going to ask this man to pay them $10 million. Of so course, what he did was wrong. Absolutely without a question. What he did was wrong. He he scammed people out of what three hundred thousand dollars over the course of seven Something years, yeah. which averages to forty five thousand dollars a year, which is like a minimum wage job if you think about it. This yeah, and he says company, he got tens of millions of dollars of proceeds from the, his hacking devices. Although that's the he admitted that, but he that, said he'd only that, seen that. a fraction of that. Sure. Yeah. But are you kidding me with this? The part I'm not sure about. So the court ruled he owes the money. He first had a 4.5 million fine and later a 10 million additional fine. I don't know if 
how that works. Like, I don't know if Nintendo could say, nah, we're good, and he just doesn't owe the money, or because the U.S. court system said you owe the money if it has to happen. I, I, I actually have no idea. I'm not saying Nintendo's not on the wrong, because I, I just willing, don't know, I'm but willing I, to, it's the I'm court willing that to bet the that. number. I'm willing to bet if the court says, hey, this guy owes you $10 million, I'm able to say, okay, for sure, and then go to him and say, don't worry about it, dog. What kind of shit is that? But I think, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know if he has to, like, still, as part of the legal punishment, put the money somewhere, and then in theory, Nintendo could circle it back to him if they want. But I don't know if he has to, like, go through a, like, if no, there's a because that's Nintendo funded, went out of their way to, to say that they want to make an example out of this guy. Right. No, but I mean, once the court has ruled the fine, I don't know if Nintendo can just say, just kidding. That's what I mean. Sure, but Nintendo is also not doing anything to help this guy in any way. Yeah, in any yeah, no, way. I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like part of me that wants to swear off this company as a whole because this situation is pure insanity. And the reason that I don't is obviously because I, I grew up with this company. I like they're. I have to think of it in two different ways. The creative side, which is what brings me so much good memories. They This company brings out some of the best games, some of the most timeless games of all time. But the corporate side of this company is one of the most ruthless and like least deserving of all the money that they make, without a doubt. And it, I just feel terrible for the creative side of that company because i hate that right. i have to associate them with these lawyers and these ceos that just do not give a about the consumer at the end of the day because they're a quick, business quick thing part of the reason this is so muddy so nintendo had a civil case against him simultaneously with the u.s attorney's office having a federal criminal prosecution against him sure of, the once felony again, what he charges did are the four point five million, and I think those go to the government, not Nintendo. Okay, the U.S. government is terrible. So, well, like, yeah. okay, <laughs> no, but okay. Um, big deal. And what part of it goes to billions? Nintendo for sure, because four point five million is not the same as fourteen point five million. So it's getting divvied up. But it's, yeah, it's it's multiple people at play here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a fun yeah, time hitting the bleep button on this episode. I don't. <laughs> I I think that, and this just goes back to this whole. Nintendo doesn't get enough crap as much as they should. Like that Amiibo thing was wild to me that they just got away with that. Insane. They do get uh they do definitely get a softer um response because they're Nintendo. They do their own thing. It's okay. They're they forge their own path, you know, whatever. Yep. Like they're not the industry, they're next to the industry. Like they're yep. industry adjacent. So there is definitely an element to that. Yeah. Just uh, there's no crap. denying that. And they and, can't and keep it, getting away with it. Right, and I and I do agree, by the way, with your point that like the thing that makes Nintendo such a fun company to follow is the creative side. Because yes, no fan wants to lose access, for example, to hundreds upon hundreds of games on old digital platforms, and then the the company's just like, nah, we're just gonna milk it slowly with a subscription service now. See ya. Like no fan's happy about that. No one's like, cool. I could play Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Green, Purple, Pink, whatever. On uh, 3DS, I could just bought it when I wanted to, and now Nintendo's gonna like not release it, and I have no way to play it on modern system. Like there is definitely the business side being more callous, and the creative side doing the cool stuff. There's no doubt in my mind that that's true. Yeah, yeah to your so, point earlier. Yeah, Nintendo development, love you, Nintendo, Nintendo corporate, bite me. 
they they really are the Disney of video games in every sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I have to remember Nintendo is not my friend. Nintendo is only here to make to line up their pockets with my money. Shigeru Miyamoto, my friend though, my G, my hobby. My I, I will died. say, there was a brief period in time where some people within Nintendo, I could call Frank, they would send me free stuff, but it was with the ulterior motive game. He'd give them poll quotes I could throw on their website about like, look at this guy, he likes this game. But you know, I was part. I have a cog in the machine, but I was happy to be one. I guess. <laughs> But yes, uh, I agree. Miyamoto's a, a real one. Yes. Yeah. So that is my rant on Nintendo. I love how every piece of drama involving Nintendo's business world decisions now involves the name Bowser. There's Doug Bowser. There's Gary Bowser. It's Bowser on Bowser crime. Like, it's just Bowser's all the way down. Yeah. So. <sighs> now, what are we talking about? Do we have anything left on the list? Or is it just Bowser's we all the actually, way down? We actually do. Uh, do we? Going from something that I kind of hate to something that I love. Uh, Jason, do you want to talk su- Succession? Or should we oh my god, it? we have Succession. I forgot about that. Yes, I do want to talk about Succession. What a great show. I think I've Quite possibly my favorite show of all time. It It is so... The, it's so if you actually step back and look at how much has actually happened on the show, there's only been like three business deals in four years, and they all are kind yep. of pan on each other. But it's so well written, written and so quippy that they could just been run in circles on that show, and it's still incredibly entertaining. But what's been great is this season, while it looked like the first two episodes they were kind of just sticking to their usual flow, they really shook things up with the uh, third episode a week or two ago. Like right, that because was, yeah. Because I think the last time they talked about the show, a lot of people felt that season two and season three were just spinning its wheels, not going anywhere. Yeah. And even the and start like, of season four, they I've, played very safe. Yeah. But now, after episode three, it's just holy ass to the finish line, and I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the spoiler and label it as such? Yeah, so spoiler alert for uh Succession season four. Season four. Everything pretty much after episode three, which is only two episodes after. Ep- well, yeah, it, but I, I just I just kind of only want to talk about season th- uh episode three. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Did you watch four yet though? It came out like yesterday. I, yeah, I I watched four and five. How'd you watch five? It's out? Yesterday. Oh, sorry. Wait. Yeah, it's been two weeks since episode three. Yeah, That's so it's right. been two weeks since. Episode yeah, yeah. Three. I've seen. I've seen. I'm up today. I just got my numbers wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, they've gone to Norway already. Yes. Yes. Or Sweden. Uh, or that gorgeous looking Sweden. scenery was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, L to the OG is dead, Jason. L to the OG. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, for for playing it that way. Um. Yes, he he is, and I feel it's like the it third was third something... episode of the season. I feel like it's something that would have come at some point. I just did not think it'd be that early in the season. Yeah. What a power move by the show. Right? Right? What a power move that no one was expecting. Also, HBO and Weddings, the episode, they build it as like Connor, who for those that aren't as familiar shows, the oldest brother. Connor's getting married. What hijinks will ensue was kind of the vibe of like the episode description and the initial trailer they released for that episode. Four minutes into the episode, roughly. It pivots to being a real-time, actually shot in mostly one shot that they then spliced up 
They did it like a stage play. I, I watched the behind the scenes. Everything that happens on the boat with the siblings, they did in one 30-minute take. They were yeah. using film, so they had people off camera running and getting uh, film spools and swapping the film on one camera while another one was filming. It's crazy. But yeah, everything after those first four minutes was just real-time reaction to learning someone died and kind of the chaos and the waves of grief and denial and all that. And it was really well done. Yeah, just fantastic. The The fact that a... Uh... And these characters, man, the fact that a Rupert Murdoch stand in dies, and I'm actually yeah. sad about it. Yeah. Is insane. The fact that yeah. Roman Roy, a character with the first episode, rips a million dollar check in front of a poor young boy and mocks him, breaks mm-hmm. down about his father passing, this evil, evil man, and make me feel sad. It's just a testament to, like, how amazing the writing of the show is. And they do that with the most quippy, weird, buzzwordy, catchphrasey, non-existent buzzwords and catchphrases that they turn into buzzwords. Like, they do it with the most, like, over-the-top writing, but they do it so well. Like, no one talks like that in real life, but they do it so well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's impressive. Roman's arc in general is – he – Rachel and I swear he's the most normal one of all of them, even though he has his issues uh, and he has his weird quirks. But like something about him, he feels the most grounded, even though he's not. I'd probably give it to Shiv. Actually, yeah, Shiv. That's Shiv. among the brothers. He's the most grounded. Okay, yeah, yeah. Shiv, no Shiv brothers. for sure. Among the, three, among the two, among the three brothers. Yeah, but especially like this last episode where Shiv kind of another little spoiler for episode five, where Shiv kind of like made the deal happen behind the scenes. Like she's definitely the most level headed. But sure. Roman's the most like n- normal of the br- of the bros, yeah, the CE bros as they call them now. Yeah, the CE bros. Um, yeah, yeah. The this the fact that this show still makes me feel about these terrible characters, not in the way that like Sunny makes me feel about these characters, right? Because right, Sunny, you're meant to laugh. But like the message of the show isn't terrible. Rich people are humans too. The message of the show has always been terrible. Rich people are terrible. Yeah, but I still feel for them whenever something happens. It's insane. Yeah, like it. it there's something about like it's. So, I remember I said I think it was. I feel like I tweeted or said to someone something along the lines of like it's so nice to spend time with these terrible people. Like it's just I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on, but there's just something about them that just like I'm really bummed the season's ending this year. Like the show's ending with this season. But the show's like, ending. I yeah, keep, I want to keep spending more time with them. I think it's good they're ending on their own terms, and they were able to then do something like killing, Lo- uh, letting Logan die. But um, right. yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's such a unique. It's Game of Thrones in the business world, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, even I was saying about the wedding, HBO and weddings. Every wedding episode that seems innocent enough, something someone dies, something crazy happens. Game of Thrones, but um, yeah, no, it's it's just. Yeah, it's it's just power dynamic after power dynamic, which makes it even funnier. Not that we're getting into politics, we're just throwing out there that today, within hours of each other, Fox News fired Tucker Carlson and CNN fired Don Lemon. And I was sitting there reading these headlines just being like, man, this is like succession because literally this past weekend there's an episode where they're – or in the episode they're talking about having to cut loose the fake news network, uh, one of the people ATM. in charge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you see uh, somebody tweeted uh, the stocks of Fox News and how it plummeted? Yep. And somebody tweeted along with it, uh, what was it? It was like, uh, crap, what did, what did they say? It, it's, it's exactly what Robert said when he showed Shiv and, and Logan Oh, the like the, um, the, that's yeah. It. That's that right there. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, it's just, man, that show's so good. Yeah, fantastic show. Five episodes left. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm not. We'll see where it goes. I think that the takeaways from this, from today, from our episode are really, if there's two things you need to do, and this is Angel, I'm speaking, is he even still here? He might have actually dropped off. I don't know. Angel, are you here? Okay, he's here. Yeah. I see him on the chat. Um, Angel, the takeaways for you this episode, I think. Play Advance Wars and watch Succession. If you do that, you your life will improve me. leaps and bounds. But honestly, Succession's are just really good. Brilliant oh. show. One day I'll watch yeah. it. I mean, I've definitely heard its praises sung by both of you plenty of time. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, in high, I am not super captivated. It sounds interesting. I'm sure I'll like That's, it, but that... I don't know. I think it's just the no. I, I get it. I get it. The, sitting the down business to world watch stuff. It. And yeah, um, you know, in hindsight, Kevin, I forgot to say this before. Logan dying made total sense given what the episode before where he was like questioning life. Oh sure, I I think that was the first episode, but but yes, I. Oh yeah, two episodes before. But he was like he got like really like existential for a second, and then yeah, the first time he's ever shown anything like that. Yeah, you know who I feel most sympathy for his bodyguard. He doesn't know what to do. They keep showing him just awkwardly standing around with no one to guard. It's not Carl, is it? No, it's not Carl. It's another guy. But they keep show. They showed multiple shots where he's just like standing. He looks like a dog that lost its owner. (laughs) He's just standing there. I I I haven't really paid attention to it. It's only been like two or three shots since uh since the death. But it's just every time like Rachel and I just be like, aw, not the bodyguard. (laughs) He has no one to talk to. But yeah, yeah. Succession. What a perfect show. Right. What a perfect ending to topic to have because it is a perfect show. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Random Nintendo. Long one. Long one. Whatever long is it? A while. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I think a Nintendo World episode might have come close, but or maybe the Mario. Yes, that was almost like yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but yeah, definitely up there. Definitely up there. Yeah. And now we're just but dragging uh, it out longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always I don't like doing the housekeeping, so. If you want to mark, oh, I sir. love marketing. All right, Angel. One day you should do this to practice for your World of Wero plugs, but I'll do it for today. So and you forever. can find us on what was that? And forever. Okay, and forever. I will happily do it forever. So you can find us on the internet. That's where we are located. We are on the podcast apps. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, some random RSS feed probably, but we're everywhere you want to be, including YouTube, where we are at Ram Nintendo. We're also on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Individually, we are on Twitter as well. You can find me at JSR Seven. You can find Kevin at KVN Gomi. You can find Angel at Wero W E I R O underscore O, and you can find his art at World of Weros with no underscore O. And we will be back in probably about two weeks' time for another episode. One thing, one little editorial note. Our next episode's the weekend Tears of the Kingdom comes out. I am like 99% sure we are not going to be far enough in the game to talk about it. So you can, if you need a break from Zelda and you want to hear what's going on in the rest of the world because you've been all consumed with Zelda, we're there for you in two weeks. So that's all I've got. Back to you, Kevin. Hey, Jason, take us out with the final word. Well, we'll be back in two weeks to give you a break from Zelda with everything else going on in the rest of the world. Back to you, Kevin. 